0: Hey guys, thank you for joining me this morning on Those Murder Girls Podcast. I'm your host, this is Raina. I am on a solo mission today, but I didn't want to leave you guys with nothing while we do some restructuring behind the scenes, work on some really big projects and opportunities that we have. So I have a case for you guys this morning out of Southern California. Lori Potter was never reported missing, not by her friends family, neighbors, or anyone else that she knew, she seemingly vanished off the face of the earth with nobody even realizing. How does a wife and mother exist within a household in one moment and not in the next without any question? Well, this is what happened in San Diego almost two decades ago, and the person that would ultimately be accused of Lori's murder was just arrested in late February 2022. The San Diego Sheriff's Department has over 900 cold cases in their arsenal. Some may never see the light of day because lack of evidence, resources, and even funding. But the department is doing everything they possibly can to solve some of these decade-old cases one by one using today's advanced technology. Their hope is to one day bring justice to each and every family and victim. So let's begin this story in 2003. It was in a cold, damp, and filthy dumpster in East County, San Diego, where a pair of legs were found discarded. The dumpster was located in the parking lot of an apartment complex on Hilton Head Court, and the discovery of these legs would puzzle authorities for a grueling 19 years. The legs were discovered by an employee of the apartment complex. The find not only rocked him, but rocked this neighborhood and beyond. A thorough search of the area around Hilton Head Court came up with nothing, not a single clue or shred of evidence. Nothing was located in connection with these severed legs. Other than determining that the legs belonged to a female and that the matter of death was a homicide, two things that seem like they would be very obvious Super early on, there wasn't much else to go on and the case went cold. It sat on the shelf for almost 20 years. That was until a new set of eyes, skill, and a hell of a lot of determination took over to solve this decades-old mystery. With the DNA technology that's available today, the San Diego County sheriffs on the case knew that they had a really good chance of bringing this unknown woman's identity back to her. So the San Diego Sheriff's Department took this cold case and blended it with a little technique called investigative genetic genealogy. This technique is nothing short of amazing. And because of the enormous number of people like you and I submitting our DNA to Ancestry databases, it's pretty damn effective. A quick rundown of the process of investigative genetic genealogy, it brings forward the victim's relatives without having to know anything about the victim's identity at all, and it has an insane accuracy rate. The accuracy is pretty much a bullseye shot or a hole-in-one. So if DNA is submitted into a database and a match comes back to just, say, siblings or first cousins... The probability of those matches not being related to that individual in that way is pretty much unheard of. Our DNA has hundreds of thousands of unique markers, not just a few. So when investigators or medical examiners, you know, are relying on this to make positive identifications, they have the accuracy of hundreds of thousands of markers proving that yes, this person is a match to this set of people or not, it works both ways. So how many people do you know have submitted their DNA and checked that little box allowing Ancestry, 23andMe or another Ancestry site to share their data with law enforcement? I did, heck yes, I want to bring justice to a family that's in search of answers. And according to a research study done by Pew Research Center in 2019, 48% of Americans who submitted their DNA to one of those ancestry sites check that same box I did, which is super cool because that means that there are millions and millions of possibilities that a victim's DNA is going to be matched to one of their relatives, whether they're distant or super close. So in June 2020, with the assistance of the San Diego County Crime Lab, the medical examiner's office, and those determined detectives, they all got to work submitting the DNA from those severed legs into the public databases that hold DNA from people like you and me. And it didn't take long before they got a familial match to the victim's third or fourth cousin. Some of the victims' relatives even went all the way back into the 1800s. But the detectives weren't discouraged. They took what they had and they pushed forward, building this unknown woman's family tree limb by limb. By the way, this is the same technique that landed officers at the doorstep of the Golden State Killer in 2018. So approximately 20 of the victim's relatives participated in this month's long investigation, sharing all the information that they had with the sheriff's department, including their own personal family trees, which allowed the detectives to inch closer and closer to identifying these severed limbs, giving them their identity and a proper burial. Six months into this investigation, the county sheriff was proud to announce that they had identified their victim as Lori Potter, a wife and mother who at the time of her death was only 54 years old, living in the city of Temecula, California. Lori was married to Jack Dennis Potter, and the two had one son. He would ultimately be the one to confirm her identity based on those genetic findings and the sheriff's family tree. No one ever reported this man's mother missing, so I wonder what was he told happened to her? What could he possibly have been thinking when the detectives made this phone call to him? What could he possibly have been told as a child like your mom ran off or she didn't want you? Whatever was said had to be said to him by his father, Jack Potter, the sheriff's department's only suspect. Lori's family members identified through the genetic geology process all believed that Lori was very much alive after all these years. They just didn't know where she was living at the time. Doesn't that kind of give you the chills? I mean, we all have those distant family members that we haven't talked to in years. We should all pick up the phone and start making some phone calls. So Jack Dennis Potter was arrested in May of 2021 outside of his home in Rancho Cucamonga, California. He was charged with one count of murder, so he now resides in a San Diego County jail in the city of Vista with no bail. Not many details regarding the case or Jack's arrest have been released because this case is very much ongoing, but I have my alert set for all the breaking news, so if I hear something first, I will keep you posted. What we know right now is investigators are saying that they have conclusive evidence that Jack is their one and only suspect in Lori's murder, and they believe that murder occurred somewhere between October 3rd and 4th of 2003. There were a few additional charges thrown at Jack as well for perjury in 2008 and 2009, but those details are also being kept close to the hip. So obviously Jack did not get caught because he submitted his DNA to one of those ancestry sites, He got caught because Lori's family had, which is amazing, you get what you give. He probably played it cool for all these years, laying low, telling his tale, and then 20 years later, there's a knock at the door and he's probably thinking it's his neighbor with some cookies in hand, but yet it's the sheriff's department there for his ass. So with this win using genetic genealogy, the San Diego County Sheriff's Department has four to five active cases going using the same technique. The Sheriff's Department is asking anyone who knew Jack and Lori Potter in the 1980s or present to please reach out to the department. They want to learn more about Lori, her life, her relationships, and any information on what could have possibly led to her untimely death in 2003. And of course, if you have direct knowledge of this case, please come forward. The tip line for the Sheriff's Department's Homicide Unit and Crime Stoppers are all listed in the show notes, and you can remain anonymous. So within this investigation, not one of Lori's family members who was identified through the database refused to give full consent to investigators. The Sheriff's Department has a 100% participation rate in this case. So, if you knew Jack or you knew Lori, come forward and let's keep it that way. If not for Lori, do it for her one and only living son. So, you guys, I want to say thank you so much for joining me today on my solo mission. Thank you to the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, who is working so hard, and not only on Lori's case, but on all of these other cases. And my heart, my thoughts, my prayers are with Lori's son. You guys, I hope you have a great weekend, and I will see you back here next Friday with a brand new episode. Bye, guys.